Hi, I'm Paul Levinson. You're listening to Light On, Light Through. And this is Episode 8, Time Travel in Fiction and Fact. Now, we've got a really great show for you today with all kinds of things, including a special giveaway of my radio play, The Chronology Protection Case, as recorded by Mark Shanahan. But we'll get to that uh, in a little while. First, some thoughts about time travel, which I've been thinking about more than usual these days. I mean, I always think about it at least a little. But I've been thinking about it a lot because I've been enjoying Heroes on NBC. And I think the main reason is one of the most appealing characters by the name of Hero, H-I-R-O, can bend space and time. In other words, he can teleport and time travel. Now, teleportation, though extraordinary, is really just an extension of what we already do all the time. Move across distances or space, as in walking across the street or taking a plane, or even if you're really lucky, taking a rocket to the moon. We do that as human beings, and there's nothing paradoxical about it, although certainly going to the moon is extraordinary. But time travel is something we never do. That is, we live forward in time, but we never go backward. And we never go forward in time any faster, certainly not instantly. And this is what makes time travel, I think, such an immensely enjoyable vehicle for fiction. You can travel a day or a year into the future and see what you're doing then and what's happening in the world. You can travel to the past and have a drink or a cup of tea with your great-great-grandmother. Hey, you can go back in the past and try to save Socrates. Except you'd need to make sure that if you did meet your great-great-grandmother, it wasn't before she met your great-great-grandfather. Because what if your meeting somehow distracted the two from ever meeting? Where would you be then? Paradoxes like this are what make time travel stories so much fun. And there are all kinds of other related paradoxes. For example, if there's something bad in the past, say an assassination, the assassination of John F. Kennedy or the Challenger explosion, and you go back in the past to change it, and you're successful, and you do, well, the very fact that you change that would mean that you would no longer have that problem in the first place. Because if you remove that catastrophe, why would you go back in time to begin with? So those things are a lot of fun to think about. But I think they're also what makes time travel impossible. Now, sure, you could come up with scientific possibilities such as the creation of an alternate universe every time you travel into the past, which would allow you to change past A, your great-great-grandparents met and had children, into past B, your great-great-grandparents did not meet because you messed something up in your trip to the past. And this would allow you to travel to the past, that is, travel from your present into past A and avoid the paradox of doing away with circumstances that allowed you to travel to the past, 
That is, if you change something in past A, which changed it and turned it into past B, you would still be alive and kicking in past A, and so you'd be able to go into that past and make it into past B. But, whew, you know, creation of such alternate universes, every time you travel, seems even more far-fetched than time travel. Not to mention the fact that it makes your head spin. And travel to the future has its own devastating problems. Let's see, if I traveled a day into the future and I saw what you were wearing, would that mean you had no choice about what clothes you put on tomorrow? I don't know about you, but I'm rather sure that I have free choice, that I have free will, at least about what kind of shirt I wear. Now, whether I exercise that free will well or not is, of course, another story. But in the end, I'm afraid that we'll never be able to travel in time, except in our minds and our fiction. On the other hand, maybe I'm an agent from the future, doing my best to disguise my tracks. And speaking of agents, listen to this. Nine hours later, I made my way back to Lawrence. I knew even before I drove up that something was wrong. I guess my eyes, after all these years of looking around crime scenes, are especially sensitive to the weak flicker of police lights in the evening sky at a distance. The flicker still turns my stomach. Hey, what's going on here, officer? Sir, I'm going to have to ask you to get back in your car and move It's it. okay, McQuail. He's got a badge. That's Phil D'Amato from Forensic. Jenny, 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 what happened? Phil, it's crazy. And that was Mark Shanahan, and it was a clip from the chronology protection case. Let me tell you a little bit about that, and then I'll tell you how you can get your free MP3 copy of the full 30-plus minute radio play. Well, first, to begin with, I wrote the chronology protection case way back in 1993. It was published as a novelette in Analog magazine in 1995, and it had a, a charmed life. It was reprinted in about half a dozen anthologies, and one of the most exciting things that happened with it is a fellow by the name of Jay Kensinger produced a very, very low-budget movie of the chronology protection case. How low-budget? Well, you heard of movies that were made on a shoestring. This movie was made on a calloused foot. But one of the good things that happened with the movie is Mark Shanahan, a very talented actor and scriptwriter, saw the movie and wrote a radio play based on the movie and on my novelette. And that radio play, in turn, was nominated for an Edgar Award. This is the award that the Mystery Writers of America give uh, for the best radio play of 2002. Now, I'm going to give a free MP3 copy of the full 38 minutes of the Chronology Protection Case radio play that you just heard a clip of to the first 25 listeners who contact me. And just to make it easy for you, you can contact me in one of three ways. You can send me an email at paullevinson at lightonlightthrough.com. Paul Levinson at lightonlightthrough.com. 
Second, you can go to the lightonlightfood.com webpage and scroll down the right-hand side until you find the little audio birdie. And if you have a microphone on your computer, you can click on the birdie and send me a voicemail. Third way, you can call the Light On Light Through hotline. That number is 206-203-2615 and leave me a voicemail there. Now, this is the really important part because in addition to contacting me, in order to get the free MP3, you have to answer a question. And the answer to that question is now currently on the lightonlightthrough.com webpage. And here's the question. What condiment do you see on the lightonlightthrough.com webpage? I love that word, condiment. Obviously, it's a spicy something that uh, we eat or adds to our enjoyment of food. So look around on the lightonlightthrough.com webpage. And when you either email me or send me a voicemail, tell me the condiment that you see on the lightonlightthrough.com webpage. Now, if you have any trouble finding this condiment, at the end of this podcast, I'll give you an additional clue, which will make it even easier to find the condiment. So listen through to the end of the podcast, the end of this podcast, and right before we go into the promo section, I'll give you an additional clue. And this is important. If you contact me via voicemail, make sure you include your email address so I'll know where to send the MP3. And again, just look on the lightonlightthrough.com webpage and tell me the name of the condiment that you see displayed in an image on that webpage. Now, I want to thank Jesse Willis of sffaudio.com because Jesse is, in a sense, responsible for there being an MP3 version of the radio play of the chronology protection case. Uh, I came across an entry on Jesse's webpage uh, from about a month ago in which Jesse was regretting the fact that he was unable to play the audio version of the chronology protection case which he had been able to obtain. So, of course, I didn't have to hear that more than once. Uh, I immediately made up an MP3 copy of the chronology protection case. And so it's that copy that all of you, the first 25 listeners who call in or email me about that condiment, it's that MP3 that I made up in response to Jesse's note on sffaudio.com that you'll be listening to. Now, let's return uh, for a couple of minutes uh, to a further consideration of time travel. Uh, and I wanted to uh, read to you some excerpts from several comments that were made in my Twice Upon a Rhyme blog. And you can find the connection to that on the lightonlightthrough.com webpage as well. Cisco commented, I always thought Carl Sagan made a good point. He said, quote, We know time travel will never be possible because we have not been overrun by tourists from the future. 
And then Sylvia Engdahl responded to Cisco, and she said, The where are they argument with respect to time travelers is comparable to the so-called Fermi paradox with respect to space travelers. It depends on an assumption that they would never reveal themselves, which, if they were advanced enough to develop either time travel or interstellar travel, they would no doubt be able to avoid. As Paul says, an agent from the future could be here in disguise. This isn't to say, Sylvia continues, that I believe in the possibility of time travel, because I agree with Paul that it's incompatible with the existence of free will. But I do say that the belief that we see travelers from the future, if they were here, is an invalid premise. And that's the end of the quote of Sylvia Engdahl's comment. Now, some of you may recognize Sylvia Engdahl's name. She is a wonderful author, the author of several classic science fiction novels, including Enchantress from the Stars, The Far Side of Evil. She's a Newbery Award honor winner. And uh, she's been a friend of mine for over 20 years. She's also a great advocate of space travel. And uh, it's great to have that uh, comment from Sylvia. And then finally, uh, a much more recent friend of mine by the name of Carl commented that it's probably best that we cannot travel through time. Our species is not yet enlightened enough to have such a kingly gift bestowed upon us. Your point, he means my point, about time travel staying within the realm of the science fiction novel is well received. This is where time travel should stay, for that is the only way humankind will truly reap its greatest benefits. And that's the end of Carl's comment. So thank you for those comments, and by all means, uh, please continue to send them my way. Uh, those comments come from, from my Twice Upon a Rhyme blog, which is on my MySpace page, and you can reach that like just about anything else, again, from the lightonlightthrough.com webpage. And I've gotten some really good response to my cranky podcast on Eastern Standard Time from about a week ago. My favorite of the written responses came from Ashley, who's a MySpace friend. And uh, she said uh, she was happy to see me post something in a slightly grumpy tone. So I'm actually very happy to get things like that because I sort of feel now uh, enabled and encouraged to be even more cranky. So that's, that's always a good thing to have in the bank. And here's a voicemail that came in from my good friend, Sean Farrell. Sean actually does a really nice podcast called Adventures in Sci-Fi Publishing. And he also went to the lightonlightthrough.com webpage and scrolled down on the right-hand side and clicked on that little audio birdie that I keep uh, telling you about, which you can use to send me a voicemail. So here's what Sean had to say. Hey, Paul, this is Sean Farrell from the Adventures in Sci-Fi Publishing Podcast, and I'm calling in regards to your Daylight Savings Time episode, because this is something that has annoyed me for a couple of years now, so I was very grateful to hear your comments on it. It just seems to me that the time change thing is one of those archaic leftover remnants of our past civilization that should be put to the grave. I mean, come on, 
We use indoor plumbing now and electricity. What's the point of daylight savings? I mean, our our food economy is run on fossil fuel anymore. It's not like we need the sunshine for it. That's a whole other topic, but uh, let's give it a rest. It's 4.30 right now in San Diego, and the sun's already gone down. Well, anyway, I guess I've uh, gone on about that long enough. So, thanks for the show. Keep up the good work. And time change, your time is up. Hey, thanks, Sean. And, uh, folks, you can see that Sean has a lot of talent there as a writer. Uh, good line, uh, time change, your time has come. But, you know, uh, talking to a lot of people about this and listening to Sean and reading all the emails, you know, there is a lot of confusion uh, about this whole time change. Uh, daylight savings time is the artificial time. And the standard time, which is what we just changed to, is the natural time. And so some people are saying they're against daylight savings time uh, because they want more light at the end of the day in the winter. But actually, they should then be in favor of daylight savings time. So in my inimitable attempt to uh, always try to clarify things, and usually I wind up making them even more confusing, uh, I've set out to come up with three principles, which I hope will uh, clarify and explain things and point us, uh, the whole human species, in the right direction. First, daylight savings time is artificial. Eastern Standard or any standard time is more natural. That's true to the extent that any time measure is natural. Number two, but I don't really care about number one. Or there's only one thing I really care about in all of this, and that's more daylight at the end of the day, period. I don't care if it's natural or not, whether the farmers love it or not, whether it's good for cows crossing big city streets at sunset or not. None of that matters to me. Only one thing, light. I want more of it. So here is my proposal. I think all of the United States should stay on summertime, that is daylight savings time, permanently. Now, the only downside I can see to that would be maybe some fish out in the North Atlantic would think it was strange that their time, an hour later than U.S. Eastern Seaboard time, had been merged into our time. You know what? Those fish will survive. And now a few words about Jack Williamson, who died this past Friday at the age of 98. He was the father, grandfather, uncle of science fiction, all rolled into one. Sure, he was younger than Jules Verne and H.G. Wells, but he was older than Isaac Asimov, who was all of eight years old when Williamson published his very first story back in 1928. Now, there are lots of excellent remembrances of Jack Williamson out there on the web, so you should take a look at them. They're by writers and other people who knew Jack much better than I did. As president of the Science Fiction and Fantasy Writers of America from 1998 to 2001, I, of course, had the pleasure of meeting and conversing with Jack a good number of times. But one thing about Jack Williamson really struck me when I first heard about it, 
and it's never been far from the front of my mind. Sometime around, oh, 1998 or 1999, I heard from an editor of a major science fiction magazine that Jack Williamson had sent him a story, Out of the Clear Blue Sky, or Over the Transom, as it's called in the trade. Jack Williamson had sent in an unsolicited manuscript, just like anyone starting out as a writer. Now, Jack Williamson was already in his 90s then with a list of books and stories and awards and accomplishments that literally spanned the 20th century. And yet there he was, waking up one morning and sending out a new story, not resting on his numerous laurels, but writing and working to get it published in the world. Now, that's what I call writing and what I call living. Now, before we uh, wrap up and go to our promo section, one of my favorite parts of this podcast, let me give you uh, an additional clue or a slightly more detailed clue for those of you who want to either call in or email me uh, and get the MP3 of the chronology protection case. So here's the more detailed clue. What you're looking for is an image of a condiment which was once a vegetable, and here's the key, it's related to podcasting, a condiment that was once a vegetable related to podcasting. So good luck. I hope you enjoyed this time travel podcast. And by the way, if you'd like to read some really good discussion about time travel and heroes and hero, H-I-R-O, and his time traveling on the NBC Heroes show, I highly recommend superhero.org. That's S-U-P-E-R-H-I-R-O dot org, where you'll find some of the most intelligent conversation around on time travel. And now to the promos. We have MikeThinks.com. We have the Jersey Todd Show. Promos for lots of other great podcasts, including Battlestar Galactica and Heroes. Sit back, relax, enjoy, and I'll see you next time. Check out the Mike Thinks podcast, www.mikethinks.com. News and current events with an opinion. The Mike Thinks podcast. It's the news you missed. www.mikethinks.com. Are you a Battlestar Galactica fan? If you are, you need to check out the Combat Information Center. It's available at www.alanlight.com slash galactica. That's www.alanlight.com dot com slash Galactica. It's your one-stop source for all things Galactica. Do you enjoy science fiction and fantasy literature? Yeah. Are you interested in trends within the publishing industry? Sure. Then you need to check out the Adventures in Sci-Fi Publishing podcast. Really? That's right. Early episodes feature interviews with Ray Bradbury, Paul Levinson, R.A. Salvador, and more. 
go to www.adventuresinsci-fi-publishing.blogspot.com. Sometimes questions are more powerful than answers. How is this happening? What are they? Why them and not others? Why now? What does it all mean? In a world where ordinary individuals I was at a bar. I had a beer. Begin to discover their unique abilities. I think I can fly. Ten people from across the nation will chronicle the events as they unfold. I'm gonna be here. Guiding fans from all over the world deeper into the extraordinary lives of heroes. The Ninth, a Heroes Netcast. www.heroescast.com. In a world full of hopelessness and despair, only two guys had the power to deliver the world from certain destruction. Nathan and Carlos are Podcast Pendulum. Doing things only a small amount of podcasts had done before them. Only they can save the world. Watch it all unfold at podcastpendulum.podomatic.com. Just one more book, please, Dad. Hi, I'm Mark. I'm Andrea. We do a podcast called Just One More Book. A podcast about the children's books we love and why we love them. Because we're crazy about kids' books. This is the best. Three times a week we go to a coffee shop in our neighborhood and we bring a children's book that we love from our own collection. Amazing style, like the way she puts her words together. We talk about why we love the book and how our daughters experience that book. And they're just killing themselves laughing and they're just in total suspense and it's a complete page turner. We interview authors and illustrators. Hey, this is E.D. McHenry. This is Lee Edward Fogel. Play listener submitted reviews. It's my favorite book. Talk about how and where to find great books. One of the big secrets to our gorgeous book collection. The great books you may not have heard of. The ones that aren't prominently displayed at the big box stores or on Amazon.com. They were just so in love with this book. Oh, yeah. They were just hanging off every word. And all the characters, Oh, too. yeah. You can find our podcast at justonemorebook.com. <laughs> I got it. Yes. <laughs> The Mr. Science Show, your weekly prescription of popular science. We talk about the science you want to hear about in a social context. For more stories and for the podcast, check out mrscienceshow.com. I'm Mark West, looking forward to seeing you there. Embracing your creative side is a beautiful thing, and no one said you had to limit yourself. Each idea is a shining seed that can grow into something beautiful. I'm Phil Rossi. Join me on the Filling the Page podcast where I explore creativity, short attention spans, and great hair. I'm a musician, a writer, and aspiring author. Tune in as I share my adventures trying to make time for all of it. Subscribe at fillingthepage.blogspot.com. Have you been injured listening to Average Podcasts? Have you been the victim of pod faders? 
Have you been fraudulently induced to listen to a podcast that has substandard Podsafe music and a really lame host? Then I urge you to subscribe to the Jersey Todd Show at www.jerseytoddshow.com. When another podcast is responsible for your podcasting injuries, we will work to provide you with the best podcast experience available. Jersey Todd is a real New Jersey lawyer that has no desire to waste your time talking about the law. On the Jersey Todd Show, you'll hear a unique mix of Podsafe music with the best rants on the net. Just listen to one of our satisfied listeners. I used to subscribe to them podcasts with that there iPod. After five minutes, my ears hurt. Oh, then I got smaller earbuds. Now my ears don't hurt so bad. And oh yeah, I listened to that Jersey Todd show. That's some fine listening. Or listen to our celebrity endorser, Matthew Ebel. Hey, this is Matthew Ebel, and I've been listening to The Jersey Todd Show with Todd. From Jersey. And it's okay. So if you're in an accident or injure yourself at work and you're injured really badly and there's blood and bone everywhere, you should call an ambulance. Chances are the ambulance driver is listening to the Jersey Todd Show. www.jerseytoddshow.com.